king who's on the throne. We serve an everlasting God who was on the throne, is on the throne, and will always be on the throne. No matter what's happening in your life, what things look like outside of these walls, I encourage you as you walk in that you would put Jesus back on the throne. If you've let him take a backseat in your life, put him back on the throne this morning. Let him be in control and in reign of your life because he is a good, good father and he has plans. So God, I just pray this morning that it would be your voice that's heard. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would speak in authority and in conviction this morning. And God, I pray that we come to you expectant to hear a word, expectant to see you move. And so God, we put you back on the throne where you've always been, and we give you that power and authority to speak to us. So we thank you and praise you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, can you praise God in here this morning? He's good. He is good. Well, my name is Connor. I am the youth pastor, the next-gen pastor. Yes, we love our, our next generation. This past Wednesday, we actually celebrated our senior night, so where we said farewell to our seniors, it was their last night with us. But it was amazing. We let them come up here on stage and they shared about things that have impacted them, verses that encourage them. And then we let them share an encouragement to the rest of the students. And I just wanna tell you, I was blown away. I was honestly blown away by the things that, that they challenged our students with and the confidence and the conviction that they spoke with. I am hopeful for this next generation. I am filled with hope that they're gonna take charge and they're gonna take the baton and they're gonna carry on our faith. So parents, you're doing it. You are doing it. You are passing on your faith. Keep doing it. Don't be discouraged. Be encouraged this morning. Well, I wanna take a second and honor Pastor Jesse and Pastor Lauren as they're still away. They're getting some much needed rest and refreshment. And so since they're away, they let me have the honor of preaching to you this morning. But I'm so thankful to have lead pastors that build up other leaders. And I don't just mean us that are on staff or us other pastors. They're all about raising up leaders within the church, volunteer leaders, student leaders. They're all about seeing people's gifts and allowing them to use them. And I'm so thankful to be in a place where we champion leaders. So I just wanna honor them and I'm so excited to have them back. Are you guys excited? Yes, I can't wait, can't wait. All right, well, we're gonna get into it this morning. If you have your Bible, I want you to open up to the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter one. Now on Thursday night, we had a meeting as youth leaders. We have a monthly meeting every month. And this month we were talking about what things can we implement? What do we wanna start doing? And we were discussing a little bit about how sometimes there's this murmur when we're, we're giving them a reference and saying, okay, go here. And there's a little bit of like, where is that? How do I find that? And so we were thinking about bringing back some good old fashioned sword drills. Raise your hand if you know what that is in here. Sword drills. Man, Pastor Sean, 
I am shocked by the few people that know what sword drills are. It was the same last night too. Okay, so sword drills, you get out your Bible, it's the word of God, it's a sword, right? And it's a race to see who can find it first. So we're gonna start doing that in youth and hopefully that'll, that'll build some confidence in knowing the word of God, amen? Amen, all right. So we are in Jeremiah chapter one. We will start in verse 11. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see an almond branch. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. The word of the Lord came to me a second time saying, what do you see? And I said, I see a boiling pot facing away from the north. Then the Lord said to me, out of the north, disaster shall be let loose upon all the inhabitants of the land. For behold, I am calling all the tribes of the kingdoms of the north, declares the Lord, and they shall come, and everyone shall set his throne at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem, against all its walls all around and against all the cities of Judah. And I will declare my judgments against them for all their evil and forsaking me. They have made offerings to other gods and worshiped the works of their own hands. But you, dress yourself for work, arise, and say to them everything that I command you. Do not be dismayed by them, lest I dismay you before them. And I, behold, I make you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. They shall not prevail against you. God, I thank you for your promises. Your promises to always be with us. So God, I just pray over your word this morning that it would land on hearts to receive it, not just ears to hear, but hearts to receive and apply your word this morning. And I just pray that we would be filled with encouragement from your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, as you take your seats, you can high-five your neighbor, introduce yourself if you don't know them. It's a great way to, to meet the body of Christ. So this morning, we're going to take a little walk through Jeremiah, hear a little bit of his story. And so there's going to be a lot of scripture so if you have your Bible, I would just ask that you keep it handy. I'm going to shout out some chapters so that you can maybe follow along with me as I read. It's not all going to be on the screen because I wanted to save our production team. It's a lot of scripture, but you can still follow along. And so the title of my message today is Stoke Your Fire. Stoke Your Fire. And it's going to take a little bit before we get there and before it makes sense but hold on, stay with me, we will get there. The message today is, is for everyone, but I believe that it's especially for those of you who might find yourselves discouraged this morning, feeling a little bit of discouragement. And maybe the task that God has given you, the call that he's put on your life is a hard task. And so you've been living it for a while and you just find yourself discouraged. Maybe in your call as a parent, or in your call as a teacher, 
as a business owner, or maybe to just be the light in your workplace, but every day you go back and it just feels like it's getting darker and darker. Or maybe it's just in your call to pursue a holy lifestyle. Come on. I believe, though, that this, this word today is to turn discouragement into encouragement and to renew some passion this morning. To renew some passion, not only for the Lord, but for the call that he's put on your life. So as we look at Jeremiah as, as the prophet, he was given a hard task. If you've, if you've ever read the book of Jeremiah, you would know that. I've been reading through it, and let me just be honest, it's taking me a while. It is hard to get through that book. But I want us to back up to, to the start of chapter 1, and at the beginning, God calls out to him, and he tells him, he says, Jeremiah, before you were even in your mother's womb, I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. Before you ever came into existence, I knew exactly what you were going to be. God was very clear, but then at the age of about 20, God speak to, speaks to Jeremiah and says this in verses 9 and 10. Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day at the age of 20. I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know that I would be thoroughly excited about that call. To pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow. Yes, to build and to plant. We're all about that, right? Building God's kingdom, planting churches, but to overthrow and to destroy. I don't know that I'm so thrilled about that call. But that's the call that God gave Jeremiah. And it was specifically over the nation of Judah who had turned from God. And he was tasked with declaring the Lord's judgment if the people of Judah did not turn and repent from their ways. So if we look in chapter 7, starting in verse 30, it says, For the sons of Judah have done evil in my sight, declares the Lord. They have set their detestable things in the house that is called by my name to defile it. And they have built the high places of Topheth, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire, which I did not command, nor did it come into my mind. It's almost like God is expressing the absurdity of this. Because if you didn't catch what he's talking about, he's talking about how the people were sacrificing children. And this is not a metaphorical sacrifice. This is literal. They were literally throwing their sons and daughters into fire and sacrificing them. And God is saying, this has never even crossed my mind. And God is the same today, yes? God is the same today. Never does it cross his mind to sacrifice children. Are you catching my drift? Never does it cross his mind. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when it will no more be called Topheth or the valley of the son of Hin Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter. 
for they will bury in Topheth because there is no room elsewhere. And the dead bodies of this people will be food for the birds of the air and for the beasts of the earth, and none will frighten them away. And I will silence in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, for the land shall become a waste. And at that time, declares the Lord, the bones of the kings of Judah, the bones of its officials, the bones of the priests and the bones of the prophets, the bones of the inhabitants of Jerusalem shall be brought out of their tombs. What's the significance of this? He's talking about the bones of the people who were condoning this behavior. The bones of the people who were perpetuating and allowing this evil behavior to continue. And he says, they shall be spread before the sun and the moon and all the hosts of heaven, which they have loved and served, which they have gone after and which they have sought and worshiped. He's talking about how they were worshiping the gods of the earth, the false gods, the sun gods. And they shall not be gathered or buried, but they shall be as dung on the surface of the ground. They shall be as poop. (laughs) Come on, I wouldn't be a youth pastor if I didn't say poop in a sermon. (laughs) They shall be as dung on the surface of the ground. And death shall be preferred to life by all the remnant that remains of this evil family in all the places where I have driven them, declares the Lord of hosts. And this is simply just a taste of what Jeremiah was called to prophesy. Imagine being that guy, the guy who was tasked to prophesy this judgment. The task, the call that God put on his life was hard. It was by no means an easy task. And so as you continue on and and reading the book of Jeremiah, you see him crying out to the Lord and you see him from his distress and from his discouragement. So in Jeremiah 15, he cries out and says, Oh Lord, you know, remember me and visit me. Take vengeance for me on my persecutors, and your forbearance take me not away, and know that for your sake I bear reproach. Your words were found, and I ate them, and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. Imagine saying that, the words that God's giving him to speak, that they've become the delight of his heart. I did not sit in the company of revelers, nor did I rejoice, but I sat alone because your hand was upon me, for you had filled me with indignation. Why is my pain unceasing, my wound incurable, refusing to be healed? Will you be to me like a deceitful brook, like waters that fail? How often do we find ourselves there? When God has, has spoken to us and we take those steps, we start stepping out in faith and then all of a sudden it gets hard and we're like, God, where are you? You spoke to me and I'm doing what you asked, but why is it so hard? 
I thought that it would be easy because if you gave it to me, it must be good. Well, good doesn't always mean easy, right? But we start questioning and asking, God, why aren't you doing anything? And we become discouraged. And so this morning, I just want to hit on a few things from from Jeremiah's story about fighting against discouragement. So the first thing is this, that in order to fight discouragement, we need to have a clear vision. Have a clear vision. And we see that from the beginning, right? As God calls out to Jeremiah, he's giving him his call, and he was very clear. I have set you to be a prophet to the nations. He had clarity. And so when people mocked him, He had clear vision to go back to. When his family disowned him, he had a clear vision to go back to. And this is actually what happened to Jeremiah. I'm not just pulling these things out to to fluff the story. No, this is Jeremiah's life. He was mocked. He was disowned. And as he was given words to speak to who were supposed to be God's people, they rejected him. They rejected the words that God gave him, but he had a clear vision from God of what he was asked to do. And you see, with clarity comes confidence. With clarity comes confidence. And this is a confidence that says, I know that I know that I know. And I don't know if you've been there, but there's been a few times in my life where what God's asking me to do doesn't make sense. And so when people ask me about it, I just say, I can't explain it other than I just know in the depths of my soul that this is what God has spoken to me. Despite only seeing part of the path, despite not having the money in the bank, despite the negative pregnancy test, Despite the rejection of people, of man, I know that I know that I know God said. We need clarity in our vision. But don't misunderstand me. When I say that we need to have clear vision, I don't mean that you are going to see the entire path until your destination. Because if you've been following the Lord For a while, you know that rarely does God show us the whole way. He usually just shows us that next step, right? Because this is how we grow our faith. This is how we learn to rely on the Lord. And if we're honest, if he showed us the entire path at the start, we'd probably bail. If we knew everything that was going to happen, all the things that we were going to face, we'd probably say, nah, God, I'm good. I have another plan. But we should be asking God to see the next step. And if we don't even see the next step, we surely know the last thing that God asked of us. So we stay in that place until God speaks again. And you see, with, with that kind of clarity comes the confidence to quit your job without the promise of another. With that kind of clarity comes the confidence to give to the bold campaign when your current finances can't make sense of how that's gonna work. 
Because a clear vision will dispute the lies of the enemy and the crippling effects of discouragement. Because believe me, I've been there. Discouragement is crippling. It paralyzes you. It stops you from pursuing what God has for you. But having a clear vision reminds me that I'm working towards something. Even though I may feel stuck right now, I have a vision that God has given me, and so I'm working to go over here. Despite all the garbage, all the junk that's being thrown at me on this side, I'm going to strain towards my goal that's over here. Clear vision reminds me to press on. Is your vision clear? If you don't have clarity on that, I invite you to ask the Holy Spirit to clarify that for you. And the second thing that I see in fighting against discouragement is that we have to remember that we have to live the testimony before we can tell it. We have to live the testimony before we get to tell it. Because you see, if we don't live out the testimony, there's nothing to tell. If we don't stick it out when times get hard, there's nothing to tell. Jeremiah 23, God says this, Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when they shall no longer say, as the Lord lives who brought up the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but as the Lord lives who brought up and led the offspring of the house of Israel out of the north country and out of all the countries where he had driven them, and then they shall dwell in their own land. In other words, what God is saying is they don't realize it right now, but I'm doing something. I'm doing something in this season. They don't see what's happening, but one day they're going to tell what they're living as a testimony. See, the people of Israel kept going back to God bringing them out of the slavery of Egypt, which was true, right? And that was a testimony that they had, but in the middle of their discouragement, in the middle of, of their wandering and their confusion, they forgot to see that God was doing something new. They couldn't see and remember how just like God brought them out of Egypt, he was going to bring them out of everyone that was coming against them. And in my early 20s, when I was confused about my future, like so many of us are in our early 20s, Right? Confused about our future, confused about God's call on my life, I was living a testimony of God's faithfulness. When Ian and I were selling our house in the height of the seller's market, and our house stayed on the market for months, where houses were literally selling in hours, man, it was so frustrating. We had a baby on the way, we needed more space so that they actually had a room to be in, and our house was just still on month after month. But as we pressed in and we cried out to God, we were reminded that we were living a testimony of God's provision. God says they will fight against you. When he puts a call on your life, you better believe that people are going to fight against you. 
You better believe that the enemy is going to fight against you. And I would argue if you're not feeling some of that heat, you might not be walking in it. Come on, there's seasons where it's, it's not as much, but if you haven't been feeling that for a while, maybe it's time to press back in. It's time to hit play on that button again. But he reminds us and says, they shall not prevail against you for I am with you. I don't know what you walked into the room with, but the hardship that you are living right now is a testimony that one day you will get to tell. A testimony of God. I don't know specifically what characteristic of him is going to come out in that testimony, but I bet you do. Because whatever the hardship is, is speaking to what God wants to do in your life. And it's in these moments of discouragement that we have to remind ourselves of these promises that this will not prevail. This hardship is not going to get the best of me because God is with me, declares the Lord. Can I get an amen? And it's in those moments that we have to remind ourselves that we have to live the testimony before we get to tell it. And the third thing that I see from Jeremiah, and we're finally getting to it, we have to stoke the fire of our relationship with the Holy Spirit. We have to stoke the fire of our relationship with the Holy Spirit. And this is really what it all boils down to, because if you want to have clarity in your vision, that's going to come from the Holy Spirit. If you want to be reminded that you're living a testimony and experience some hope and some peace in that moment, it's going to come from the Holy Spirit. But this takes us back to the call of Jeremiah in chapter 1. When God tells him, but you, dress yourself for work and arise. Dress yourself for work. Gird up thy loins and arise for all you King James Version. Get up and prepare for action. Up on your feet and get dressed for work or get yourself ready. Let me just be honest for a moment. When I read this, this scripture a few weeks back, I was deeply convicted by this. Get yourself ready. I found myself in a season of being discouraged. And the Holy Spirit was reminding me to get ready. But I needed to know more. I think oftentimes when we read scripture, it convicts us, but sometimes we just let it lie there. We feel convicted, maybe we write down the verse in our journal, and then we close it up and never do anything with it. The Holy Spirit is living. The Holy Spirit is, is active in our lives. And so I simply ask the Holy Spirit, okay, I need to be ready. Well, what do I need to be ready? What is it that I need to ready myself with? And I felt like he simply said to me, a fire. You need a fire. Ah. <sighs> I loved that, watching some of you guys look at the screen in awe of the fire. See, when we see fire in the Bible, 
it's often used to represent the presence of God or the Holy Spirit. And we see it when, when God makes his covenant with Abraham. Going back to the book of Genesis, we see this. And you see, in Old Testament, when covenants were made, sacrifices were brought, they would be cut into, and half would be put on this side, half would be put on this side, and then both parties would walk in the middle, sealing the covenant. And so when God was doing this with Abraham, and it came to his turn to walk through, it says that, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between the pieces. It was a representation of God in that moment. A representation of God sealing that covenant. And we see it when God speaks to Moses through the burning bush, right? We're so familiar with the story. When you look at it, it says that that Moses was in awe at how this bush could be burning but not consumed. The awe that we see in who God is. The totality of him that we can never fully comprehend but we're so intrigued by. And we see it when God leads the Israelites in the wilderness. It says that by day he would lead them by a, a pillar of cloud and by night a pillar of fire guiding them, leading them. And we see it when God descended on Mount Sinai in Exodus 19. Moses is on top of the mountain, and it says that, that God's presence descended on the mountain, and he spoke from the fire. In Deuteronomy 4, it says that God is simply an all-consuming fire, a jealous God. And then on the day of Pentecost, we see the Holy Spirit appear as of divided tongues of fire that rested on the people. The representation of fire is powerful. And we too have God's presence as the Holy Spirit of fire living within us. Because at the moment of your salvation, the Holy Spirit was deposited in you as a seal of your salvation. There's a fire inside. And there's a fire inside of you. But how often do you stoke it? So if you know anything about fire, you know that it needs oxygen to survive. It needs oxygen to burn. How often are you breathing life into your relationship with the Holy Spirit? In other words, how intimately are you walking with him? How intimate are you in that relationship? So briefly, I just want to point out three characteristics of a fire and how they relate to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So the first thing is this, a fire burns, right? It burns, it consumes. And what that looks like in us is that the Holy Spirit refines us. He's a refining fire. So anything that is not Christ-like, the Holy Spirit is working to burn up within us so that it's purged from us. Because he wants us to be more and more like Christ. 
So he burns up everything that is evil, everything that is not of God. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and moves us from glory to glory, to who God has made us to be, the refining fire. And secondly, a fire permeates heat. It permeates heat. It produces warmth. And I'm sure you've noticed this about a fire, too. If you find yourselves at a campfire like this, hopefully not like this, because this is huge and terrifying, right? This is way bigger than life size. But if you find yourself at a fire and there's people around, they're usually gathered around the fire, right? We're just drawn to it. It's this natural tendency to make our way to the fire and we start warming ourselves there. We turn around so that every part of us feels the heat from the fire. There's a comfort there, yet there's also a healthy fear, right? Because I know the power of this fire, and so I'm not going to, to step inside the fire. I'm not going to step inside. There's this, this healthy fear, but yet I'm still drawn to it. And when, when we were at camp just a couple weeks ago with some of the youth, we would often during free time have a campfire going. And man, this just... Oh, this was so frustrating to me, but we had this fire and the students just found themselves around it and they're like throwing the, fris the Frisbee across the fire, back and forth, and I'm like, please don't get burned. Please just step away from the fire, but yet they just couldn't help themselves, right? Because we're just drawn to it. And we should have this, this holy fear and reverence for the Holy Spirit a reverence for him, but at the same time remembering that he's our great comforter. And in the moments when we feel discouraged, we're remembered that he's working, that he's powerful, yet he wants to meet us in the most intimate way and be our comfort and be our peace. And the third thing is that a fire illuminates. It's bright it shines. And just as God used the pillar of fire to guide the Israelites, the Holy Spirit is here to guide us today. Part of his job is to guide us in truth, to guide us in the ways that God has for us. He's here to illuminate the next step in our life. He's here to guide us on that path that sometimes just seems foggy, sometimes still seems dark, but as we press in, the Holy Spirit is faithful to illuminate the next step. But he's also here to push back the darkness. Because as we're walking out the call of God on our life, sometimes we find ourselves in the midst of darkness. Or just like the disciples, when, when Jesus tells them to get in the boat and to cross the lake, and he says, I will meet you on the other side, and what happens? In the middle of the lake, they find themselves in the midst of a storm. And what they forgot in that moment is God had already told them, I will meet you on the other side. He says, I will meet you on the other side. But I'm thankful that even though 
They were filled with anxiety and with fear. And even though Jesus had already spoken, he still walked out on the water to meet them where they were and to remind them and call them to the other side. The Holy Spirit is here to help us push back the darkness. Because in his presence and in his authority, evil has to flee from our lives. And the more that you stoke that fire, the bigger, the hotter, and the brighter that it will burn. The more that you breathe life into your relationship with the Holy Spirit, the more that he will work in your life because you've given him the authority to work. The more intimate your relationship with him, the more that you will even just see the work that he's doing. But beyond that, as you continue to stoke the fire, the more that the people around you will begin to be affected by the Holy Spirit. Because while, yes, the Holy Spirit is for us, he does work in us, he wants to work through us. So if we just have a little spark, that's just a spark in us. But as we stoke the fire, it's gonna burn so bright that it can't help but to affect the people that we come in contact with. And just like Moses with the burning bush who is intrigued how it could be burning but not consumed, people will be intrigued by the fire that is in you. You see, the fire that's in us is not meant to be hidden. Jesus said that a light that's put on a lampstand is not meant to then be put under a basket, but it's meant to shine. It's meant to give illumination to all who are in the house. In Jeremiah 20, verse 9, Jeremiah says this, If I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, there is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary with holding it in, and I cannot. And it is my prayer this morning for all of us that our relationship with the Holy Spirit burns so bright, burns so hot, that even if we tried to hold it in, we could not because we would become weary from holding it in. He's not meant to be held within us. He's meant to illuminate and to shine to the world so that they too would be drawn to the fire of his presence. Would you go ahead and stand with me this morning? I believe that in here this morning, some of us need to stoke that fire again. Some of us have been discouraged just like I was in that moment when I was reading the scripture I was discouraged but what I also felt the Holy Spirit tell me is that the time for discouragement is over and I believe that's a word for some of you in here today too the time for discouragement is over now it's time to dress ourselves for work, to get ready and to arise and do what I have commanded you to do. 
maybe you don't have clarity in what that is, then I encourage you, ask him. Ask him to give you clarity on what he's calling you to do. We need to stoke that fire again and give the Holy Spirit authority and permission to speak to us. To give him authority and permission to not only work in us, but to work through us. And so if that's you this morning, I just want to invite you to start making your way to the altar. I want to be able to pray for you right now before we get into anything else, before we leave this morning. I want to pray just a fresh word of encouragement to, again, stoke the fire of your relationship with the Holy Spirit and to be encouraged in his call on your life. So if that's you, if God's speaking to you, the Holy Spirit is moving you, I just ask you and invite you to make your way down here to the front. The Holy Spirit, he's been waiting. The Holy Spirit has been speaking, but sometimes the worries of life just get so loud that we can't hear anything else. That we get so caught up in what's going on and we get crippled in that discouragement. But just as, as God told Jeremiah, it will not prevail. Whatever the hardship is in your life, it will not prevail because the Lord is with you. He's there to defend you and he's there to fight on your behalf. So staff, as we pray, I just invite you to come and, and lay hands on the people up here at the front and, and pray your own word. For the rest of us, would you just reach out your hands towards these people at the front? Or maybe you need to reach out your hands for yourself. Holy Spirit, I thank you for being alive and being active. I thank you that you are a person that we have relationship with. I thank you for your promise, your promise to, to speak truth when we need it, your promise to be our comfort when we need it. So God, I just ask for a fresh encouragement for each person that's up here, each person that's felt discouraged, that's felt weary, that's felt dismayed, I just pray for a fresh encouragement and a rejuvenation in their soul and in their spirit. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would bring clarity to their mind again, that you would give them a sound mind to hear your words and to press on. I pray that as they're here at the altar, that they're laying it all down, surrendering any worry, any fear, any anxiety at your feet, and that they would be taking up your courage and that they would be taking up your hope again. God, we thank you for being a God that hears us, a God that cares, and a God that speaks to us. So we just praise you for that this morning, and we ask that you continue to move in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please check out our other episodes. 
If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, be sure to go to MyEternity.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at MyEternityChurch. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps. Thank you.